Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Pass the Mic. This is just a content warning that there are going to be mentions of sexual assault in today's episode. A term that is becoming increasingly popular in the entertainment world is cancel culture. To cancel someone is to no longer support them and their projects after discovering that they have done something offensive or problematic. Canceling isn't a completely new phenomenon, but as social media becomes a more prominent aspect of celebrity status, it seems like stories of celebrity figures doing harmful behavior circulate every week. This complex idea of cancel culture brings up the question of whether or not audiences should consume an artist's work despite their behavior. Today, we're sitting down with our hosts, Phoebe and Hannah, audio producers Renu and Amon, and guest Kiana to discuss what it means to separate the art from the artist in a world of cancel culture. There are many cases of artists being accused of being offensive to a certain demographic or harming individuals. Nora Lum, an East Asian American actress and rapper who also goes by her stage name Aquafina, has been canceled for her use of a black scent and African American vernacular English, also known as AAVE. Starting off as a rapper from Flushing who blew up on YouTube, she transitioned to acting in big Hollywood productions. More specifically, she was criticized for her portrayal of sassy best friend Pecklin and crazy rich Asians. When Aquafina wants to add comedic effect, She'll use a black scent to accomplish that. Some argue that she's built her reputation and fame around this co-opting of blackness. And even after she was scrutinized for her role as Pecklin, Aquafina has continued to be booked in several projects, including her own television show. She also continues to not acknowledge her use of a black scent or AAVE. Likewise, artists like Nicki Minaj have used Asian aesthetics for personal art. When she performed Chun-Li on Saturday Night Live, she was on stage in front of a Chinese temple surrounded by dancers in patty hats. She's wearing a short and tight dress that supposedly resembles a chipao, a traditional Chinese dress, and chopsticks in her bun. Though she got some criticism from East Asian Americans, she continues to be praised by the public and her song remains streamed. There are consequences of normalizing and not criticizing these uses of other cultures. With Aquafina, if we don't address these criticisms about her, people will think Black Sense or AAVE, which are both rooted in Black culture, do not belong to Black people. Recently, non-Black creators on the internet were claiming AAVE is internet slang or stan culture. With Nicki Minaj, there's a reliance on East Asian stereotypes to satisfy her aesthetic. In a Teen Vogue article titled, The Chun-Li Challenge is the latest example of pop culture stereotyping Asian culture, David Yee talks about how Minaj uses a trope often seen in media representation of East Asian women, which is hair buns with chopsticks in the shape of an X, which is actually considered to be rude in many East Asian cultures. With Minaj normalizing this appropriation, it's led to the Chun-Li challenge where non-Asian people have been putting their hair in buns with chopsticks and wearing unauthentic chipows with some pulling their eyes back and posting these photos on the internet. Aquafina gets praised for her role. She won an award as Pecklin. When Black people are demonized or criticized for sounding Black or using AAVE, Minaj gets praised for her song, but East Asian Americans get criticized for displaying parts of their culture. And what makes not supporting an artist whose art you love hard is if it has made an impact on you in some way. Artists like Aquafina and Nicki Minaj are considered to be trailblazers for people who look up to them. At least within the Asian American community, when Aquafina began to gain more recognition, there weren't many Asian American actors or famous figures, especially within pop culture. 
but that's been changing lately. Another example of artists being accused of being offensive would be the Kardashians. The Kardashians and Jenners are celebrities who have been criticized for a variety of things. They've been accused of appropriating ethnic features that are typically associated with women of color and commodifying them. For instance, they've blurred the line between being racialized as white versus as people of color through more permanent alterations, such as very intense lip injections for bigger lips that are associated with Black women, darkened their skin, gotten brow lists to give a fox eye or Asian eye look, had butt implants, attempted to trademark the Japanese word kimono for a clothing brand, and worn mangtika, traditional Indian jewelry, typically worn on the head. These white women give themselves an ethnic ambiguity and use their proximity to Blackness from their friends and family members to appropriate and excuse themselves of offensive actions. Despite all this, the Kardashians are a household name. Their reality TV show, Keeping Up with the Kardashians, lasted 19 seasons. They continue to sell their image and commodify aspects associated with non-white cultures. After Kylie Jenner got lip injections, she released a line of Kylie cosmetic lip glosses that sold immediately. People praised and wanted her big lips. But when it comes to women of color, especially Black women, big lips, darker skin, and large curves are still seen as undesirable, ridiculed, or hypersexualized. So, if they've been canceled repeatedly from communities of color, why are they still so relevant and why are people still consuming their art or products? A speculation is that people separate what the Kardashians produce from what they've done and who they are. But is this always possible? What are the repercussions of continuing to support people who are justifiably scrutinized? There are consequences to normalizing and not criticizing what the Kardashians and Jenners do. People have argued that these instances of cultural appropriation and these attempts of selling or using ethnic ambiguity are not harmful at all. Cultural appropriation in its most reductionist sense is when people from a dominant culture, meaning one that's widely accepted as the norm, exploit aspects of a marginalized or oppressed culture. Instead, they say that the Kardashians and Jenners are just a part of internet and influencer culture. They can't be blamed because so many other celebrities do the same things they've done. But when we excuse these actions, we end up reinforcing oppressive beliefs that cornrows, specific traditional items of clothing and jewelry, do not belong to Black and Indigenous people of color and can be taken on and off by white folks. And to many, despite the Kardashian and Jenner's long history of being canceled and displaying problematic behavior, it's not enough to stop supporting them. We're going to open it up for a discussion. Let's welcome our guest, Kiana. I'm Kiana. I'm a fourth year, and my pronouns are she, her, hers. Let's dive right into the first discussion question. If your community was the target of cultural appropriation, would you want people to still support the artist? I think this question focuses way too much on individual actions and not systemic issues. Because of like the systems that we live under, I don't think there is a way to consume another culture without it being cultural appropriation. And I think the reason why people commit acts of cultural appropriation is because of Like I said, the systems that we're working under, like capitalism, I'm going to say colonization. I don't know if you would necessarily call that a system, though. But like because of like historical events like colonization and like imperialism and stuff, I don't think the consumption, like ethical consumption of another culture is fully possible. 
I don't know if that fully answered the question, but I think people are directing energy towards the wrong thing. Like, if you're upset about cultural appropriation, it's really hard to stop cultural appropriation if you only direct that anger or frustration towards one individual. Essentially, if you don't want people to culturally appropriate, you have to work against like capitalism, colonialism, imperialism, because that's what leads up to like this whole concept of cultural appropriation. I think I kind of agree with what you were saying. I don't know. The the whole concept of cultural appropriation isn't something that's new. I think people are just newly putting a name to it because it's just been so commonplace and goes back decades and generations and especially in like the entertainment industry, like music and stuff. Like there's people like Gwen Stefani, you know, she had her whole Japan Harajuku phase. She's been every ethnicity possible. But back then, I don't want to say nobody cared, but like nobody ever spoke up about it. And so now I feel like when it comes to cultural appropriation, it's becoming, you know, more important to people. But I just think it's hard for people to just stop supporting an artist cold turkey because not a lot of people see anything wrong with it except for the people that are affected. Basically, they're used to other people appropriating cultures. Ideally, I wouldn't want people to support the artists, but I know that's not going to happen. Um, this is also like another example I know of people discussing whether or not it's cultural appropriation. But Avril Lavigne has a song called Hello Kitty, and it like became really big on TikTok. And I know a lot of people were saying like she's culturally appropriating like like Japanese culture. But then other people were backing her up and saying like she like spent time in Japan, I think. And then like she filmed the video in Japan and like they said that she like talked to people in Japan about it and stuff like that. Like and like immersed herself in their culture before she made that song. Some people still thought that like that didn't really matter. But that's just like a another example I know of like an artist who are discussing about their cultural appropriation. Yeah, I would say that's definitely an example of cultural appropriation and an instance of fetishization maybe or like aestheticization, taking parts of a culture of color to like aestheticize your art in order to sell it essentially. So I guess with the question of cultural appropriation, who gets to decide whether or not an artist is forgiven for their behavior if they apologize? For example, if Kim Kardashian apologized about the whole kimono thing, trying to pretty much capitalize on a word that's from a different culture and different language, should we then move on? Personally, I feel like it's a matter of intent and it's all contextual. Um, I don't think there's like one end all be all answer for how to deal with saying if someone should be forgiven or not, especially if it's a public figure. When you're faced with that, it's not just you making that decision, you're advocating for that decision. Yeah, but there's like a million other people talking about it. It's very hard figuring out the intention behind it. And a lot of times it's like super easy because public figures will just apologize just for the press, just be like, oh, I'm sorry that I got caught instead of being, I'm sorry that like I did this. Personally, I feel like when celebrities apologize for things, especially things that have to do with like cultural appropriations, I feel like they're not really sorry. And especially if we use the example of Kim Kardashian, if you look at the track record of the Kardashians and their weird fetish for people of color, I really don't think 
at that point after being called out for it so often you can use the whole maybe they didn't know or like they meant well excuse because how old is Kim Kardashian she's like 40 or something maybe almost 40 but like that's a grown woman and you know they're all adults and you know being in the public eye and constantly doing these things over and over I'm just like how many times can you be called out for something and still not get it. And I think at that point, it's just kind of like they do things because they'll they know that they'll be off the hook for doing it eventually. Like people always end up forgiving them because despite all of the controversies that the Kardashians have been in, they still make millions and millions of dollars and they still have millions and millions of followers. This is in response to what both Amon and Kiana said, I think the reason why celebrities like the Kardashians, I mean, the Kardashians are white people. So like the reason why white celebrities are given the benefit of the doubt so often is because they're white, is because they're wealthy. They have certain privileges that non-famous people don't have, like non-millionaires don't have. Like when people culturally appropriate or, you know, say racist things or do offensive things, A lot of the time, it's not out of ignorance, as people like to think. Like with white celebrities, I think a lot of the time, they know what they're doing. They know it's offensive, but they also know that they'll be excused for what they've done if they just make a public statement. Like going back to what Amon said, celebrities only apologize as performative gestures. Any celebrity that makes such a public apology without any action to their words, like providing monetary compensation as reparations to the affected community, like you can't believe what they say. Celebrity culture is all that, just maintaining an image so that they can then maintain wealth and fame, because that's what sustains them. I'm not sure if this is exactly on topic, but I do feel like white people get a lot of forgiveness when they do things that are, you know, offensive or racist. Especially, I don't know if you guys have ever seen when um, people find celebrities' old tweets. That's like a big thing that's happened recently. This is just what's happening right now. David Dobrik, (laughs) a lot of shit is being brought up about him. I don't know how far back, but I've like seen old clips of him saying racist things, just being really offensive. Also, he's like involved in some sort of sexual assault. You know, if you ever notice a lot of times when they do things, their apology is never, I'm sorry, this was wrong. It's always, I'm sorry if you were offended by this or their favorite one is to be like, I didn't know what that meant at the time. And you know, I don't care if you were 12, you shouldn't say the N-word and you shouldn't be calling people slurs. And I feel like that in itself is a privilege that people don't talk about because a lot of times they can just say they didn't know and move on with their lives and never actually acknowledge what they did was wrong. This is why I think we need to stop using ignorance as a scapegoat. I'm using scare quotes for giving people for problematic offensive behavior because The reason why people of color or people from marginalized communities get offended when like white people or people with like certain privileges do and say certain things is because if we're going to talk about race, it's because of white supremacy. White supremacy is the reason why these things are offensive, harmful and dangerous. And I think it's ridiculous that it has to be the marginalized people marginalized communities that call white celebrities out for quote unquote ignorant things they say. And it's not that white people should be paying attention to what they do. They have this expectation of people of color to always call them out for horrible things they do. And that should not be the case. It should be white people doing the work themselves, keeping themselves in check. I was just going to say to Kiana's point, like, 
you know what they say, like, ignorance is bliss. It's a privilege to be ignorant about problems that don't affect, you know, white people, because they are the most privileged people in the world, in, in America, in pop culture, like, across social media. Um, I, I, I think I kind of get what you were trying to say, and I just thought of an example. I don't know if you guys saw the video of the, the guy who owns Papa John's how he was like super racist and he was obsessed with saying the n-word and and (laughs) this isn't funny but it kind of is (laughs) sorry wait wait, wait. this really isn't funny um (laughs) it was so basically he got he did this interview and I guess we're supposed to feel sorry for him you know and he was like he's been working to get um the n-word out of his vocabulary like he was saying that he's been working for I think it was like a month to get the n-word out of his vocabulary and I'm I was just like how do you want us to forgive you but you're basically saying you used the n-word so much that you had to work to get it out of your vocabulary and I just think that again because you know how did he think it was okay to have an interview and then say something like that in the interview and ex- still expect to be forgiven? Like, I think besides the point of white people expecting people of color to educate them, I think they're also expected to just forgive them. And they think that an apology will always solve everything, even though it won't. Because at the end of the day, action is what's most important and showing that you've actually changed your behavior. But I feel like a lot of celebrities don't. I feel like this is a little bit off topic, but do you guys know what happened with Bon Appetit this summer? Just for a little bit of context, the editor-in-chief, there were some pictures of him in a really racist costume, dressed as like a stereotypical Puerto Rican, and allegations started coming out. The people of color, the employees of color at the at Bon Appetit started coming out and saying that they were being treated horribly. They weren't being paid equally for the same amount of work that their white colleagues were doing. Like after all this happened, they fired a bunch of people. The editor-in-chief stepped down. They rehired like the top three most powerful people at that company to be people of color and released some like bullshit scripted video saying that we're not going to be racist anymore. We're not going to do this anymore. But the video format and everything was exactly the same. All they changed was the faces of the people in the videos were people of color instead of white people. And I feel like that's the worst way to deal with something like that because you're not changing anything except how people view or like the face that you're presenting to the world. You're not, there's no systemic change. And I think that's just like what a lot, yeah, exactly. It's like tokenism. I think that's what a lot of either white people who get accused of something like this or big companies that are accused of doing something offensive, that's what they end up turning to to change after like a scandal but that is not addressing the root issue of the problem which is you know using people of color for views or using them using their culture their recipes their products their how they look to attract attention to make money um i think it's just like problematic bringing it back to this question of can we separate an art from their artists despite shitty things they've done, maybe it's better not to separate the art from the artist and discuss how an artist could be problematic 
but then is it enough to talk about how an artist is problematic in order to enjoy their art? So I guess with the Bon Appetit example, can we still consume Bon Appetit products, like their videos, their recipes? After this scandal, after Bon Appetit kind of all of the controversies and scandals kind of came to the surface and all these people were fired they went through like a rebranding or whatever which is what you know a lot of people do after they get canceled like after some they do something controversial to bring people back to the conversation they try to rebrand and try to bring people back but I in good conscience because I was so invested in Bon Appetit when it was happening I can't be comfortable like me personally I can't go back and watch those videos because it just seems so fake to me and everything that they are putting out I feel like is calculated and ingenuine now that I know what was going on behind the scenes I can't in good conscience like watch those videos or consume any of their content and I feel like that's true, you know, for for the Kardashians, like somebody that is like extremely personally affected by something that they've done doesn't feel comfortable consuming that content, buying their products, you know, watching them do this stuff over and over again. I think it's, you know, it's definitely a personal thing. I think because it's so personal, so much of the burden of responsibility falls on the consumer to stop supporting. It's strange because this whole topic of, you know, offensive things artists have done, cancel culture, a lot of it is rooted, as we've mentioned several times before, in systemic issues. Yet, like, I feel like this is such an individualized topic in some ways. I feel like as consumers, we should encourage, or actually, I don't know if we should encourage, but I feel like it's not entirely up to us or, or on us to hold these people accountable. I feel like there's bigger things at play here. Like commercial spaces stop. They, they, they're the ones who hold these people accountable. Oh, this arena dropped you on their shortlist for holding a concert because like you said, some racist stuff. Okay. I, I feel like, wouldn't that make a bigger impact on like, exactly like um, Kiana saying in the chat abolish celebrity culture like why why is this entirely on these individual people listening or, or consuming these artists content like i know for the uh david dobrik stuff a lot of sponsorship brands pulled out um and you see it like again probably derailing but for a lot of like influencers you see it um happen a lot but not for like these big name celebrities like the Kardashians, right? It's it's not happened because, you know, people, these these commercial companies and whatnot, all they see are dollar signs. Yes, abolish celebrity culture. Celebrity culture only exists because of like capitalism. I keep naming these systems, but that's because it's true. I feel like in some ways, focusing a lot on what individual celebrities do is a neoliberal effort to make long-term and effect, like effective change. Focusing too much on what individual celebrities do will get us absolutely nowhere. It'll just drain you as an individual to constantly try to call these people out, to constantly try to, and I'm using scare quotes, educate them or make them aware of what they're doing. 
In fact, I think literally just ignoring them and not giving them any attention might initiate more change than trying to constantly educate them. I think one of the downfalls of that is that you're not sure if they get educated, right? Because they still could be as fake as possible and have people come back to them and be like, oh, yeah, no, we forgive you. But I, I really don't know how I'd personally navigate that because then it'd be like, okay, well, it's not on me to educate you. What does an acceptable apology look like? Is there such thing as an acceptable apology? Okay, I'm going to be real. I don't know what would be an acceptable apology because I've never seen one that I felt was actually genuine it's always the same thing and so I think it's gotten to the point where like I don't really trust public apologies because who are you apologizing to I mean I get the point is that you're apologizing to the people that you hurt or whatever but I feel like I mean they use that word a lot like if they hurt someone but I don't think the emotion necessarily is hurt I mean people just are tired of seeing the same thing repeated, constantly having to educate people when it's not that hard. We live in the age of the internet, you know? You can Google anything that you do. And so I feel like apologies have become very redundant. And if you want to actually show that you're a different person, then do something. Nobody wants to hear you apologize. I mean, me personally, I don't want to hear you apologize because I feel like apologies are useless. I'm sorry, but they're useless to me. I'm not going to pat you on the back for being a decent human being. Just don't do it in the first place. I'm like sort of derailing here, but we've created a culture where certain things have become, I don't know if co-opted is the correct word, but they've turned into something that they originally are not supposed to be. That's a very vague statement, but with like, see, this is why I don't know if this is relevant. Certain movements like, racial justice movements or even on the topic of apologies for example like black lives matter that movement or like what's happening now with the hashtag stop asian hate i don't like that hashtag i just don't like the wording that's like a separate thing though i don't know if the stop asian hate is necessarily a movement but these i'm gonna call it a movement these movements have become co-opted like they've become signifiers for people Like, for example, all people have to do is put BLM in their Instagram bio or change their profile picture to Black Lives Matter. And suddenly that's supposed to be some sort of signifier, like a sign that that person is not racist. They're an ally. I know, but I definitely agree that like there's people like people that I know that like their Twitter, Twitter like names are just like like a yeah exactly it's performative like their name and then like and then like a hammer and sickle and then like fuck like fuck racist blm fuck hate like fuck hate crimes it's just like so stupid like what what does that what does that mean that you're not a racist person because you say it in your name it's so i i feel like it's so ingenuine and fake I don't want to say that I blame social media for that but I think it it, it kind of has helped I mean not helped I mean, yeah, social media is where I see, have seen like performative activism 
show up the most, especially with the whole, like you said, people putting, oh my gosh, I saw this tweet and I thought it was a perfect example of this white woman. She was dating a black guy and then she had the BLM in her bio and she had the multicolored fists and then they broke up and then she, someone screenshotted it and she took the BLM out of her bio and she took all the fists out of her bio. And I was like, if this doesn't sum up a lot, a lot of people, then I don't know what else does. And so I just, I, I completely understand what you were saying about performative activism. And I think especially um, last summer with the whole ally thing, there was after um, the murder of Breonna Taylor, there was a lot of those memes and it was like yoga poses, great yoga poses to do. And instead of having the actual names of the yoga poses up under it, it was like arrest the cops that killed Breonna Taylor. And I thought that was super disrespectful. But a lot of people posted those kinds of things as a show of being an ally. This might not be relevant to the cancel culture topic, but I also think that this is actually very important to be talking about because I think our audience is younger people who have social media. They probably engage in a lot of these things and maybe they've never thought about it before. A lot of these, um, what do you even call them, phrases have been so popularized now that people don't actually have to think about what they're posting. They just have to post it to prove that they're not racist or like they're an ally or whatever, like Black Lives Matter, like even the sentence, arrest the cops who killed Breonna Taylor, that became like a popularized sentence that required no thought to, like, does this make sense? Like, you don't have to think about why you're reposting, you just repost it because that's what everyone else is doing because it's circulating. And to show this like support, but like, you're not actually showing support, you're engaging in a hashtag And like, yeah, like Kiana just put in the chat, it's sort of like, you're kind of turning these things into like memes or yeah, trends. Another example that my friends and I talked about was dating apps. Like on Tinder, you can choose Black Lives Matter and like LGBTQ rights as interests. But that's so weird because why are those interests? They're not really interests. Black Lives Matter has just been turned into something that's what it's not. People who put BLM in their bios, especially if it's like white or non-Black people, uh, feels like performative because that's not what the whole movement actually stands for. Instead, it's like used as like a signifier for who people can trust or who they think is cool. It's like a signifier for someone who is somewhere in between leftist and liberal it's not supposed to be used as like a personal label for you. I feel like this part of the conversation probably doesn't really fit with cancel culture, but something that like kind of just shows how people kind of took like the posting a black square to show that you like stand and you, you support Black Lives Matter. Like you can tell that kind of became like a trend because do you guys know how like the thing about 88 Rising posting a yellow one? So like 88 Rising is like, Asian American like all or like all Asian like label for like Asian artists as more people like started to get learn about like the hate crimes and stuff like that towards Asian Americans like 88 Rising's Instagram posted a yellow square to like I don't know I guess try to 
start a trend of people posting yellow squares to show that they support it. Obviously, they got a lot of criticism for it because people are like, um, excuse me, like, like, why are you trying to make a trend out of this? Trying to cancel individuals ultimately might not get us anywhere. Cancel culture, from my understanding, started off as a thing where you just stop supporting an artist if they've done something that has hurt you. But it's evolved into this other thing of like, I mean, some people have argued that it's evolved into this other thing of like putting people in boxes and not letting them grow and shit. Also, cancel culture doesn't really get us anywhere, right? Because individuals who have been harmed will direct their energy towards celebrities who have committed some act of harm. But then it it ultimately doesn't go anywhere. Like you can shit on these celebrities and come after them all you want, but a lot of them still are famous because a lot of people still consume their art. I don't know if anyone else feels this way, so I'm just going to speak for myself. But I personally, I don't know how I feel about cancel culture in general because it's turned into this buzzword that people use all the time whenever someone gets called out. And I think that using the phrase cancel culture in general has just kind of derailed from the actual point, which is holding people accountable. Because at the end of the day, that's been the entire point. And when you just throw in the word cancel culture, everyone's too busy trying to cancel instead of doing what's actually supposed to be happening, which is creating a conversation that will help to create change. But we're not doing that. And I think I I spent a lot of time on Twitter. And one of the things that happens on Twitter is when someone gets canceled, there's less conversation and there's more just about, oh, this person is canceled, hashtag such and such canceled. And it's just a bunch of memes and stuff. And it's not progressive at all. And so I just don't think that I like the term cancel culture. I mean, I think before it made sense, but now it's just not really like, what are we canceling? Nothing's been canceled. If anything, when someone gets canceled, people end up looking up that person and trying to find out what they did and then get even more attention than they did before. The conversation of separating the art from the artist remains to be complex and unclear. Every situation is different and we all have personal freedoms to decide whose music we listen to or whose products we buy. It seems like most of these artists we mention, regardless of what they've done, continue to be supported in some way and stay within the mainstream. There may be no right or wrong answer that everyone will agree on, but this discussion today has made one thing clear. Cancel culture is reshaping what it means to be an artist in the 21st century. So, what do you think, past the mic listeners? Should artists be separated from their art?